to us from the 23rd chapter of Matthew, verses 1 through 12. Then Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, The scribes and the Pharisees sit on Moses' seat. Therefore, do whatever they teach you and follow it. But do not do as they do, for they do not practice what they preach. They tie up heavy burdens hard to bear and lay them on the shoulders of others, but they themselves are unwilling to lift a finger to move them. They do all their deeds to be seen by others, for they make their phylacteries broad and their fringes long. They love to have the place of honor at banquets and the best seats in the synagogues and to be greeted with respect in the marketplaces and to have people call them rabbi. But you are not to be called rabbi, for you have one teacher, and you are all students. And call no one on your father on earth, for you have one father, the one in heaven. Nor are you to be called instructors, for you have one instructor, the Messiah. The greatest among you will be your servant. All who exalt themselves will be humbled and all who humble themselves will be exalted. This is the word of God for the people of God. Will you pray with me and for me? Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. When I was a child, my parents often worried about how the budget was going to stretch enough to have sufficient groceries to feed three young girls until the next payday. In spite of that, though, they somehow always managed to swing it so that we could spend a week at at church camp and another week at Girl Scout camp every summer. It was during one of these weeks at Lazy Acres, the Girl Scout camp in the Santa Isabel Forest in Colorado, that I remember hiking with my unit to one of the favorite lookout points on the property. It was a hike that we made every summer, but this time it was different. It was different because that summer a tree had fallen at at the lookout point and it extended for several feet over the canyon wall. If anyone fell from it, it would most likely mean instant death. And for some reason that day, my camp counselor decided she was going to crawl out on it. I don't remember if it was to get a better view or a better picture or just because it was there. Whatever the reason, I do remember the look on her face when it dawned on her what she did. She got really big eyes and she looked around at ten impressionable teenage girls and said, Girls, this isn't safe. Don't do it. And she followed that quickly with the phrase, Do as I say and not as I do. Fortunately, all of us girls realized the truth in her statement, so none of us tried to follow in her footsteps. 
and I'm happy to report that she successfully made it back to solid ground. Do as I say, and not as I do. In other words, I know better that my actions than what my actions are showing. Essentially, this is what Jesus was saying to the crowds gathered around him that day when he said, The scribes and the Pharisees sit on Moses' seat. Therefore, do whatever they teach you and follow it. But do not practice what they teach. You see, the scribes and the Pharisees knew the law. The scribes were akin to our present-day lawyers. And every village had at least one. They were the ones who could draft legal documents, such as marriage contracts, inheritance papers, and deeds for mortgage and land sales. And the Pharisees were legal experts and a sect of the temple leadership who were probably closer to today's wealthy bureaucrats. The scribes and the Pharisees had both spent years reading and studying the law. They knew what they were talking about. They were successors of Moses as authoritative teachers of the Torah law. They were the ones who sat in Moses' seat in the temple. And they were the ones who knew the law and were able to tell what Moses and their forefathers had said. As such, the scribes and the Pharisees were legitimately given the duties to decide based on their reading of the scriptures and their determination of the will of God how the law was to be interpreted to meet particular circumstances. Additionally, they had the, the authority of their place in the temple to teach the law and to, to God's people and decide what was just and holy. This was all well and good. After all, the purpose of the law was to keep God's people holy and blameless so they could be in relationship that was promised to them in the covenant between God and Moses. Keeping the law was intended as a celebration of this relationship and the goodness that God showed for his people. You see, the scribes and the Pharisees set out with good intentions. Their aim in life was to preserve the sanctity and the purity of Sabbath law and enhance faithfulness to, the, to that law by protecting it. However, the problem was the scribes and the Pharisees interpreted the laws of the scripture and then added to them. In the years between Moses and Jesus, The Pharisees had multiplied the oral traditions of the Jewish forefathers until there were an abundance of laws. 613 of them, as we heard in last week's children's sermon, if you were here. And all 613 of them were expected to be met. And they were difficult laws to begin with. For example... According to theologian and professor Alice McKenzie, one of the laws said tailors were not allowed to go out carrying a needle late in the day before the Sabbath in case they were caught with it still in their pocket when the Sabbath began. Additionally, she said 
the interpreters of the law determined that they could go for a walk on the Sabbath day, provided it was not farther than two cubits, or roughly two-thirds of a mile, because this was the distance that was determined to be the space between the people of Israel and the Ark of the Covenant when they entered the land of Canaan. The scribes and the Pharisees had twisted the law to the point that it was impossible for the Jewish people to abide by them. The laws became a way of judgment of the masses at the expense of grace. They became a show of knowledge for the Pharisees instead of instruments of God's love and justice. And they became a way of oppressing the common people with no work or responsibility on the part of the temple leaders. And this, friends, was the problem. The scribes and the Pharisees were good at interpreting the law and imposing burdensome restrictions on others, but they couldn't live by them all the time any more than the common person could. Therefore, it became a show of piety whenever someone else was watching them, one in which they were more interested in correct appearances rather than correct hearts and correct spirits. The law was an impossible way of life. These religious men couldn't practice what they preached day in and day out. In in effect, the scribes and the Pharisees were telling the Jewish faithful, do as I say and not as I do. Brothers and sisters, I dare say, we are very like the scribes and the Pharisees. We all start out with good intentions. We read the Bible and we hear the word proclaimed and we are ready. We are ready to go out and save the world. We are ready to save the sinner by telling him or her just what it is that they have done wrong. And we hold ourselves up as examples of Christianity, forgetting that we too are sinners. If we are not careful, we can end up putting so many conditions on faith and Christianity that it is burdensome and overwhelming and that nobody can live up to its expectations. Instead of showing others what God's love and grace look like, we can end up putting on a performance to tell the world how good we are. The good news, though, is that there is a better way. We can choose to honor God by embracing the truth that we are all God's children and understanding that no one is better than anyone else. We have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, but God loves each of us anyway. God has sufficient love and grace for all of us, and he is offering it freely. When we accept that gift and turn our hearts toward Jesus, we will be forgiven. We will view the world differently. We will view the world with a servant's heart of love and compassion. And when we truly embrace the love of God for others, we will care enough to serve them with humility and respect, and we will lighten their burdens rather than adding to them. Do as I say, 
not as I do. It's a phrase that I'm sure we probably all heard more than once as we grew up. And unfortunately, it's a phrase that we've probably all uttered more than once as our adult voices have spilled out in the midst of wayward children. But ladies and gentlemen, this shows our selfishness, our unwillingness to change and do what is right and pure and good. We should remember in all situations that we belong to God in a covenant relationship of love and respect. As such, we also belong to each other, to all God's children, in relationships that show that same love and respect. We cannot sustain these relationships when we are putting ourselves above others. Jesus is calling us to love, love of others and love of self, a love that drives us to humble service for the family of believers. He is calling us not to the world's view of do as I say and not as I do, but rather Jesus is saying to us and to all of you and me, do as they say and as they do. Amen and amen.